Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Jeremy Smith. It may feel a little bit like the regular show in disguise this evening as we had a bunch of midweek fixtures to enjoy this midweek. But who ended up enjoying a little affair in the middle of the week and who didn't quite come off the same? Um, That and more after the latest headlines. On Tuesday, Monaco fell to yet another defeat, this time at the hand of Angers. Stefan Bahoken scored his well, second goal for Lesko to lead against the, the Stade Louis de Side, who are now currently occupying the relegation playoff zone. Also on Friday, Nice beat Nantes sending them into the relegation places with Christophe Jallet opening the scoring, Emiliano Sala equalising, but only for Jean-Victor Makengo to earn the points for Patrick Vieira's man. The final game on uh, Tuesday evening was another cracker, really, between Toulouse and Saint-Étienne, ending 3-2 to Le Ver. Luis Dioni put the away side in front before Maxilin Gradel equalised. Remy Cabela stu- and Yanis Salenberg gave them an unassailable 3-1 lead, with Jimmy Dumez's goal ending up only as a consolation. On Wednesday, uh, Ren didn't recover from their defeat to Paris Saint-Germain, as they lost 2-1 away to Amiens. Gonor and Goanu scored for the hosts as Clermont Grenier gave a consolation in the last couple of moments, with Jeremy Gelan being sent off after 61 minutes. Bordeaux managed a 1 0 win over a 10 man Lille, uh, with a Sumaru seeing red late on, as Con and Montpellier played out a 2 all draw. Kawi and Bamu scored for in host Delors and Italic for um, Montpellier with Vittorino Hilton seeing red for the away side. Leon continued their current run off form with a 3-0 victory away to Dijon. Moussa Dembele notched his first brace for the club with Martin Terrier also scoring, but two red cards won for well, for two bookable offences for Lucas Toussaint and Enzo Luidois um, for both sides um, earning 10 men at the end. Marseille got back to winning ways as well at home at the Stade Velodrome against Strasbourg, but it came a little late. They had to rely on a Valerie goal in the final moments, even with Jordan Amavi sent off to earn the three points. <laughs> Gangon earned their first point of this season as well with a nil-nil draw against Nîmes, and that's about as much as you need to hear from that game. And finally, Paris Saint-Germain came from behind eventually to win 4-1 against Rans. They were given a scare by Chavelin, um very early on, but two Edison Cavani goals, a Neymar penalty, and Thomas Mounier scoring his second goal in a space of four days gave the current leaders their 100% record still intact. And that's all for your news. But remember, for any latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with two sides that have maybe the best to say is disappointed so far. And one in particular, Adam, is Monaco, who fell to defeat yet again this week at home to 
Angers. They haven't won now since the opening day of the season. Since then, they have been in all competitions, four defeats, three draws, and not many goals to show for it either. Um, what's going wrong with them? Well, I, that's a very, it's a very, very interesting question. I think that the issues at Monaco are perhaps a little bit more deep-seated than their immediate form. I mean, you look at their it's sort of the medium-term um, projects, if you like, the, the progression of the Monaco project over the last sort of six months. And, you know, th this is the start of a, a new cycle, as we've mentioned before. You know, they, they finally got rid of most of that total winning team. You know, they're left with what Falcao and Kamal Glick and Supers, she didn't play uh uh, against Angers and it's a, it's a completely different team and the, their policy has switched from signing players like Thomas Lamar who when he joined from Con was about 20 I think 1920 had a season of very very good league form under his belt was a developing player and a player that was progressing you know quite nicely and, and ready to sort of push on to the next level and that was kind of the, the, the sort of the modus operandi of, of Monaco's transfer policy they signed players like him but it seems to have sort of I've used the phrase jump the shark a little bit in Monaco terms. They've gone a bit too far in signing just prospects, just young players like Pietro Pellegrini, like William Webbles hasn't got a game yet, like Sofiane Diop. And and then a, a couple of sort of work, workmen like players like Nascelli to kind of back them up. And any player that really fits them is that policy that's worked so well for them is Golovin. And obviously he's not particularly fit, they're not having come back from injury. So I think that Jardim is still the right coach. And they've still got a lot of potential in this team, but it's just too early for, for one, for Jardin to make this team gel and two, for this team to, to, to be in a position to produce performances that are expected of them because they're simply not ready. And it really, it really sort of struck home against Angers and because Stefan Mullen had figured them out. They, they, they had no ideas. Monaco, um, Angers sat pretty deep, kept their shape really, really well. Uh, Fabian Tate, who I really, really like, is a really, really good player. And, and Pierre Capel did really well on the wings, sort of double up with their fullbacks. And Monaco just couldn't break them down. They had very few chances, really. And once Angers got that goal, uh, a great finish from Bahokan on the turn was, was lovely. Um, Angers controlled the game, really. And, and it just felt like that the Monaco team that we're used to seeing is long gone. And this is a new team that is still very much in the development stages. And perhaps for this season doesn't really have the talent to produce performances to be expected of them so i think it's going to take some serious magic working from jardim who's perfectly capable of doing that but it's his biggest task yet by some distance and they're just a long way off from being the team that the monaco fans and uh, viewers of league and expect so deep-seated issues for me which will take a long time to to, to rectify and it's it's a real tough one with reinventing themselves every single season, Jez. But uh, we always expected that this one would be the most difficult, if anything. But at the same time, the worry for Jardim, even though these players haven't quite clicked together, is at the same time they just they just seem easy to play against. Uh, it, I mean, they they certainly were in midweek. They didn't even have a shot on target, which is uh, pretty lamentable, really. And I agree with everything that, that Adam said there. That, um, it's, it just feels like this year they've gone a little bit too far. I don't know if they've sort of all um, you know, become a bit sort of, I don't know, narcissistic and enjoying the, this, this project of buying young and talented and then selling um, even more talented and uh, for, for a hell of a lot of money that it's worked so well the last two or three years that they're sort of pushing it and pushing it and maybe this time they've gone a little bit too far. Um, 
but at the same time you know obviously however experienced however talented you are you need time to gel um and i think you know, to be fair to jardin especially in a, in a sort of world cup summer you know golovin's only just come back super search by all accounts has ended the world cup injured but also mentally drained and i think he's been a massive loss um not just for his actual goalkeeping ability but just banalio to me just sort of sparks fear in in with me as a watcher let alone his defenders in front of him all the time um it so yeah last night was maple sorry this um when was it tuesday night was possibly the, the first time that he's well, the closest that he's come yet to, to playing what maybe would be his his start his ideal starting eleven right now. There are more. There were quite a few more experienced players there, but with the best one in the world, they need time to gel. They need time to get used to playing with each other. In some cases, like Golovin, they need time to um, to to become match fit. Um, in, in the case of Chadley, possibly he needs time to become a footballer good enough to play for Monaco, but that's just personal opinion um and then there's there's other players like jemison who it feels a little bit like he's going backwards um as adam said that or one of you said so the, the pitch was definitely an issue as well so that there's lots of factors all together um and certainly in, in, for jardin i'm i'm certainly got faith in him i think he's a spectacularly good manager i still think he's very underrated and that the the, the sort of management at, at monaco aren't, aren't giving him many chances to really show what he can do um so it's it's a mess at the moment um i still think it could and will get better but the real concern i thought against angers was um you know the matches up till now you can say you can use all those excuses the pitch the 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 fact they don't know each other well etc etc the fact that a lot of the, the players who've been playing actually have got barely any professional experience um, behind them. What was worrying on, on Tuesday was the, the, what looked like a complete lack of, of effort and desire as well. Um, I don't expect that to happen at the weekend. I think Shardim's really going to give them a kick, kick up the backside, but uh, you just you don't really see that from his teams. Um, you know, just having a, ba a bad game, even the whole team collectively having, having a bad game, um, you know, you know, sh shots that, that don't pay off. The I don't know the, the other team's keeper having a blinder that that happens. But like I said, no shots on target and just nothing, nothing working. A lot of the team looking like they were disinterested. That's a big concern, and I think there'd be a hell of a big shake-up. Um, sort of both just in terms of um, Jardim saying what he thinks of the players but also possibly in, in there's rooms that two or three players including um Tiedemans and, and um, jemison may well be dropped at the weekend um i think we could see quite a few squad changes just for for jardin to make clear that that the attitude from the other night was was unacceptable mm, absolutely I, I think you've picked out two there that maybe maybe drop jazz and that <laughs> They feel like players that should be giving more. Jemison's been pretty poor over the last six to eight months. And Tielemans, we've expected so much from him, and yet there's been so little produced so far, especially with when you're seeing some of the younger players come in and, and, and give it a good go. I think Samuel Grancy has been decent. I think that um, at, 
at the weekend, I thought, even though they didn't quite do enough, I thought Goebbels looked good when he came on. I thought that Mbula tried to do maybe a little bit too much, but at least he was adventurous and, and Diop was unlucky. They they certainly should have done better, got a better result at the weekend. They had plenty of chances to do it, but um, really disheartening for them to have such a poor result again at, in midweek as well. It sort of impacts it double ways, doesn't it? It's a very disappointment. Another team that's disappointed but we didn't have quite the expectations at least anyway is um is Lille uh, not sorry not Lille it's it's not apologies um they've had a pretty poor start to the season themselves as well we we expected Cardozo to be playing exciting football uh, Adam and, and and riveting us but uh, we we were worried a couple of weeks ago that that was maybe hindering their defensive abilities and and that's come to the fore again two two one defeats in a row they've only got that one victory against Strasbourg to their books and they have lost to Monaco as well, which um, should be a damning indictment themselves. And it's not going to get much easier with a visit to Lyon at the weekend as well. Is, is pressure starting to mount on Cardozo? Yeah, I think it really is. I mean, um, GFN, we were, we were reporting today that it looks like this this could be the last game of Cardozo's tenure at, at Nantes with, with some sources in France reporting that he's been informed by... Um, Frank Cater, who's Vladimir Cater, the president's son, he's sort of the general manager, that he is on the verge of being sacked and that this 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 game at the weekend against Lyon will be his last game in charge, um, which I don't know how that how that, you know, affects the preparation for the game, if that is true. And and if, if Cardozo has been told he's got one game, then he's out, whatever happens, both for him and the players. So it'd be quite interesting to see what happens there. It could be a bit of a, bit of a bloodbath if they, if they don't sort it out because, you know, Leon at home could be seriously, you know, seriously difficult to handle at the best of times. So uh, that would be interesting to see how it goes. But it does look like he's, 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 he's gone. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it, I just don't think that... <laughs> One, Nantes are a type of club with Vladimir Cater as president that are patient enough to give Cardozo, one, the resources and two, the time to, to make the team that he would want to make and to play the way that he'd want to play, which is in some regard fair enough because, you, you know, you, you set your stool out however you like. and and, and it, it, But to give him the opportunity as coach, knowing that that's the way he plays football and knowing that's what he would want to do, seems like a bizarre appointment if that's the case that he's been given what two months and it's and that's it they're not in danger necessarily of being relegated I mean they've got the quality to stay out of out of trouble eventually and and it's very very early days what seven games in so to say that they're in trouble of going down at this stage is, is a little bit premature so it, it seems like there's sort of two warring ideas here in that they want success now but they also want a project that takes time to build so that they kind of need to make a decision but classic Vladimir K to star which just sort of gone no, we're, we're going to cut our losses and, 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 and you're out. Um, but it, it, from the off, it did seem a little bit sort of suicidal, playing that sort of passing position football with with players like Nick, obviously this season, but the centre-backs, him, Diego Carlos, um, Matt Miazga, who's, who's very good in the air, but he's not a ball player. Same for Diego Carlos to some extent. Rene Crin is not a passing midfielder. And you, you start with those players and expect them to spray the ball about and and and, and play possession football. It just isn't going to work. So it's, it's hard to start this quickly, given that. There's also the other point of view that those players, one could could be complementary players that are a bit better at those things that Cardozo wants to do. 
or two that you know we could we talk a lot about transfers which is where the modern game works but coaches are meant to make their players better and Cardozo has not been given time to make the players that he has at his disposal that he's been given by the board and the the sport director and so on to, to make better he hasn't had time to make them better so I feel like this is a bit of a self-improve from one engagement that they, they wanted success as quickly to happen and then two then the time and sacking so quickly so I, it just seems like a bit of a mess and, and I that they're a little bit more uh, seated in their, their sort of and that is going forward from from the board down because and it's it's, it's it's slowly becoming a bit of a shambles, isn't it? That, that, that's the thing, really, Jess, on this one. If it, if he is almost out the door already, regardless of what happens on, on Saturday, which seems pretty ridiculous even saying it, really, after so much well, this sort of amount of time. And it's... It's the problem with Nolten at the moment is that they, they're struggling to, to score the goals they're respecting against Cardozo. And because of the style of football, they're struggling defensively as well. But at the same time, it, it, surely you have to give a manager a little bit more time to sort of embed his ideas and get something going. It, it seems a bit gung-ho to, to throw him out with a bathwater because while it has worked before for Le Canary, it, it quite, could quite easily go the other way around. Yeah, exactly. It worked really well that the, the time they got rid of, I think it was Girard and brought in Conseil Sal. But you know, since then, they've gone through, not gone through, but they've had Ranieri in between as well. And you just, you can't keep chopping and changing like that. And, you know, I, I thought Cardozo was a was a really good, brave appointment from Nantes, a quite unlike appointment of in, in recent years. Um, you know, giving a, a very young, relative very un, unex, inexperienced sorry um, manager a chance and basically saying that his co- co- a relatively new team um had you know quite a big turnover of the summer and we're looking to, to completely change the style of play having done all of that you have to give someone more than seven matches to to kind of put his stamp on the team and not only that but also actually give him the chance to to put his stamp on by all accounts um you know Keita was making a after the weekend match was making strong hints about who he thinks should be in the team and, and lo and behold two or three of those players were suddenly included in the team against nice um there, there was a, a quote from uh, one of um cardozo's former players ruben libero today or yesterday um who was almost joining us actually he kind of intimated a similar thing, saying how's Cardozo supposed to be able to do the job when he's kind of being undermined by his president and his president's son at every juncture. So, um, you know, even if he was being being given entirely free reign to do his job, seven matches wouldn't be enough, but it it feels like he's not even being given the chance to to show what he can do anyway. So, I mean, it it looks like it's the end of the road already, but... um, Akita really isn't doing himself or his club any favours, and certainly the, the fans have been booing after the last couple of matches. But it's not even entirely clear who they're booing, and certainly a lot of the abuse has, I think, rightly been directed at Kita himself. Um, you know, you, you you can't really run a club like that and expect to have any kind of consistency of results or sort of any kind of upward trend 
if you're going to be, um, you know, chopping and changing your managers a couple of times a season. And in terms of the the, the, the players, you know, they've been out unlucky a couple of times. So the big stat with, with not this season is that um, I don't think they've scored first in any of their matches. So you're always fighting losing battle if most of the time you're, you're having to come from behind. Um, but I do, I do think a lot of the players are showing heart. I think a few of them are showing a lot of talent. Boskilia, I think, has, has already um, come up with a couple of very good performances. Um, you know, uh, my personal opinion is that Salah leading the line is, is not really good enough. As, you know, if, you, if you're looking to play good entertaining football, um, you do need someone at the end of it to, to put the ball away. I'm not sure who's that person. Okay, it was, it, it was a good finish against against Moose the other day, but at the same time, um, just after that, he missed an absolute sitter. You know, things would have been very different if he put that away. So events are conspiring to a certain extent against Cardozo, but certainly I wouldn't say they are against Nantes as a club. I think most of the most of the problems they have are, are self-imposed. And that's uh, always going to be the struggle. It just feels like this rushed again. It, if it comes off for them, good for the club and good for the fans, but it, that short-termism is, is eventually going to catch up with you. And you start thinking whether this may be the point where it does um, catch them a little bit cold with, with other teams doing reasonably well. Uh, and let's finish at least with our midweek talk, uh, Adam, with, with a couple of games that I know you enjoyed this midweek because there, there was plenty of interesting fixtures but a couple of big scoring games that, that really caught your eye yeah it was an exciting game exciting sorry, an exciting midweek round in general and i just wanted to pick out sort of marseille against strasbourg and, and toulouse against sanetian which which both finished 3-2 um and both really really exciting games and um some of the some of the most more exciting league games I've seen for, for quite some time, and when you watch as much as league as, as I do, it's, it's it's quite sort of quite enjoyable pair of games to sort of focus on. Um, uh, one thing I really want to point out is uh, coming as a bit of a Toulouse Toulouse fan, it might seem a little bit biased, but Toulouse are extremely unlucky to lose to Saint-Étienne. Um playing at home, lost three two, but Christopher Julien made two horrendous errors to 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 gift. In fact, all three of Sinetian's goals were absolute gifts, but Julian in particular made two really, really big errors. And he just doesn't look like the same player that uh under the Praz and him and, and he said Diop were a really strong partnership. You know, they were threatening both in both penalty areas. You know, they, they, Julian was good for the old goal and they they were so dominant. They, he just looked so unsure and so nervous and so lacking confidence. And the player that was linked with those sort of bigger moves and moves to the Premier League and bigger league and clubs um isn't there anymore and hasn't been for some time he was really poor last season and it, it might be a little bit harsh given he's the most experienced defender and hasn't got too much support he might be time to drop him to be honest because he sort of stabilized a bit after some poor form but it, he was really terrible in the week um but then alongside him Jean Tobido who's come in he's 19 years old um he made his debut at the start of the season he is extremely good at, at center back he's a really really good player to watch um, plays his way out of trouble. Very, very, very good on the ball. He does that sort of like Marco Verratti thing. Obviously, that's a much, much better example. But the way he sort of like jinx pass, pass forwards and and plays way out of trouble and plays a pass, it's it's really, really good to watch. Occasionally, he plays himself into trouble, but um, you know he's only nineteen and he will improve. But he's a really, really exciting 
exciting players. So there are makings of a, of a strong defence from Toulouse, but I'm not sure that defence will include Christopher Julien. Um, and then the, the Strasbourg-Marseille game was really interesting as well. Also 3-2 Marseille at home, nicked it right at the end. Um, Strasbourg barely threatened in the first half until they scored, you know, um, quite fortunate with deflection to go over Mondonda, Kenny Lala clean through was pretty much the only time that Strasbourg got into the Marseille half. But um, uh, it was the, the second half was sort of quite end to end and Strasbourg nicks an equaliser and you kind of felt like that was that was it. And then Valo Germain, who uh, didn't necessarily have the, the, the most threatening of, of days, but played the, the central striker role really, really well, which doesn't really suit him normally because, you know, he's playing on the shoulder or he's he's. Or, or he's sort of dropping deep and picking up the ball, but he he played that sort of almost target man role, and people played off him, and he played people in really really well all night, but didn't really threaten, and um he he deserved his goal at the end, a really nice little sort of stabbed finish to make it through to Hiroki Sakai crossing the ball for him, um did really well to get that cross in, and that was that was a really exciting game as well, and huge for Marseille to get that win after after the the, the game with Leon at the weekend, so um two two really exciting games and and a good advert for for Ligon. And it's great to see some exciting football, as always. So hopefully uh, that enjoyed your Wednesday nights or Tuesday nights, if you managed to catch either of those, because it's great to get some midweek league football with uh, with the Carling Cup on, at least anyway. Um, some Man United fans might have enjoyed it a little bit more, at least. Uh, on to games <laughs> this weekend, at least. And, and a couple of games I wanted to pick out. There's one great one on Sunday evening, but an interesting one between two sides that we've not really spoken about in an enormous amount this season between Cone and Amiens. Um, they've had interesting starts to the season, and we'll start with Cone, Jez, because... Uh, a little bit surprising in all honesty. They've lost to Paris Saint-Germain and, and Satetien, but other than that, four draws and a win. They, they've managed to beat Dijon away from home. They've picked up points against Nice, against Lyon, despite going down to, to, to 10 men, and, and they managed to get a nice draw against Montpellier, despite their opponents again going down to, to 10 men. Are they showing a little bit more with, with the likes of, of Ninga and, and Bovu coming into the club that, that maybe we expected them to do? Maybe they're, they're, they're showing us that this sort of raft of attacking signings is maybe at least to some degree helping them get some points to try and stay up. They're, they're showing a hell of a lot more than I thought they would. Yeah. Um, I, I really thought they'd, they'd struggle this season, um, but they've been competitive in, in pretty much every match. If you, if you discount the first match away to, to PSG um, yesterday, or, yeah, it was yesterday. So I just keep getting muddled up with my days. Um, really, you know, even though it was at home, still really impressive to to sort of batter the way to a draw against Montpellier. Frankly, anyone scoring more than one goal against Montpellier is, is impressive. Um, the way that the way they're playing at the moment in defence. So yeah, two two straight matches at home where they where they um, got draws against um, you know, on paper much stronger opposition. In between, slightly unlucky against against Saint Etienne. So. They're, they're sort of there or thereabouts in every match. Impressive away win at Dijon, although weirdly Dijon's home form has completely vanished from last year. So um, kind of mitigating circumstances, but but still impressive. And yeah, some of those signings are really paying off. Um, as you said, Bobby, I think was a masterstroke. Um, never sure how to pronounce his name, but Fire. F-A-J-R, I don't know how to pronounce it, has really started the season fantastically. Um, Gemma Kami signing is 30 now, but um, it looks really impressive. Um, 
and yeah, I, I really was. I really feared for them, but they're they're making a great fist of it so far. And they come up against an Amion side that at least entertaining, if nothing else, really. Adam, they've involved in some big wins, some some close results. The, the two three two against Lille, where they almost came came back a couple of weeks ago, was entertaining and got a great win in midweek because they were in the bottom two before that game, but got a great win against a, a Ren side and a chance for them to maybe pick up some more points against Carl. Or I mean, another side that's maybe surprised you a little. They've, they've been quite good going forward, at least, and are creating plenty. Godosh has scored a couple of goals and, and so has Musa Kanate's got three already as well. They're, they're maybe, again, much like Carl, surprising people a little bit that they are more competitive than maybe we anticipated. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They they have been surprisingly competitive. You know, when when uh, Gail Kuta left over the summer, I really felt for them because I, I wasn't sure how they were going to pre- replace a player of, of that quality for a club like Amion, at least. Um, but they've managed to do it and they've signed extremely well. And, you know, as you're, you're absolutely right. They've been involved in some high-scoring games. I think they were quite fortunate with with Wren. Um, that was that was a, a big win. Wren are looking a little bit tired, you know. As I think with the Europa League, um, you know, first game was what the week before. You know, playing those three games so close together is going to be going to be difficult, and I think it showed a little bit. So they're, they're a little bit fortunate there, but you can't take away from the fact that it was a really really good performance. And you mentioned Sam and Goddess there. You know, two brilliant assists. Um, he looks like a player that can score goals and create goals. And as you said, you know they've 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 honestly got potential to score goals from all the way through the team. Um, you, you look in their midfield, and uh, you know uh, Ganso brilliant assist for for um, for Kazawa's goal. I think the, with the game before. Uh, oh yeah, the Strasbourg game. Uh, they lost three one, but Kazawa came off the bench to score in in that game. The the, the Polish international, not Laven Kazawa of PSG, of course. Um, He's a, he's a really, really good signing and he's the type of player that does replace Kakuta and potentially has, as I've mentioned before, has a really, really high ceiling and, and you know, might not last long hours. I know he's on loan, but um, you could see him staying in France with a bigger team if he managed to put some form together with some consistent football. Um, but then they've got so many options in attack. You know, Kanata got 12 goals last season, which for a team doesn't score that many goals, was really, really impressive. A brace against PSG, I seem to remember in the sort of final run of the season in that two-all draw. Um uh, I really like Stephen Mendoza. He's got so much pace. So does so does Juan Otero, who's come in from Estudiantes in in Argentina. There's there's a lot of options there, and even players like Quentin Cornet, who suffered another injury against against Ren. He's very unlucky with injuries, but even he's got something about him and, and is capable of scoring goals too. So it's a team that once they find their feet and once they start to gel, could could genuinely start to threaten sort of the mid table. Which, given that you know last season they stayed up pretty comfortably, that that was felt like although a bit of a masterful performance from Crystal Policia, who's a, who's a great underrated coach. And for me, should have won, you know, coach of the year. Um, it still felt like a little bit of a flash in the pan. That it, how could they repeat that, given that they were a national side two seasons previously? And I think there were sort of five, maybe five, four or five of the players that started their first league game played for them in national. So it shows, you know, the, the standard of, of, of the, the, the football they're used to playing at. But they, they've managed to continue and Policia has continued to work complete wonders. So exciting team. And I, I think that they'll continue to be involved in some really really interesting high-scoring games. When they play Neem, we should get like a five-all, shouldn't we? Which would be great. Um, so exciting team, and I hope they can keep it up because it's great for Liga. 
Yeah, let's hope so. Is it? It's great. I, I, even that that Godot shine in the the former Osterson striker came under the radar for me. I didn't realise they'd signed him really until a couple of weeks into the season. But he's been great for them as well to to grab a couple of goals and a couple of assists. He in really nice tidy signings as always. Him and Ganso and and Kazawa, you won't believe it sometimes really um, they must be scratching their their eyes sometimes I mean but let's get some predictions and I'll start with yourself Jez uh, what do you think the score will be in this one uh, I'll go for I'll go for uh, another two or continue signature home result um, I can see both teams scoring both a little bit more shaky at the back than going forward I think so yeah, I'll go two all again Adam I, I would have to agree two each for me as well yeah I, I have a feeling I'm going to win this one I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 2-1 to them um, going to be a good game I think an interesting one at least both are willing to score goals but whether they do it or not because I remember mentioning that the the Tijon game will be full of goals last weekend and that ended up no no so don't trust us completely at least anyway on these score predictions um on to the final game really and an excellent one to close today's show on Lille versus Marseille fancy a bit of a barn burner between third and fourth at the moment and Lille Adam we've spoke about a few times having a, a great start to the season on 13 points but maybe a little bit of a dampener having lost um in midweek, which is especially to a to, to a side in uh, in Bordeaux that have been struggling a, a little bit of, as of late, at least anyway, and were maybe a little tad lucky to win at the weekend against Gangon, despite all the pressure from from them. And uh, at the same time, they can be such an exciting side, really, with Pepe grabbing a hat trick a couple of weeks ago as well, and, and the attackers around him playing such positive football that they will feel like their first test against one of the bigger sides will be them wanting to to go a little bit gung-ho and and seeing what what they really are made of this season yeah absolutely um i I think you said about this sort of gung-ho actually i was talking to andres of of you know been on the the podcast a couple of times who's my 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 fellow league analyst of Rodo, and he was saying that Lille have literally no choice they have to play like this because it's just the players that they've ended up with. You know, the the, the sort of uh, Bielsa reign may have not worked out in the sort of immediate future, if you like, in the immediate term or the short term, but it has given them a lot of talented, excited young players. And although there are a lot of sort of caveats to that Bielsa reign and things going wrong all over the place, Gustav Galtier is an experienced coach. He knows how to get the best out of players. He proved that at the, over his entire spell at Sinetti and he continually got the best out of what were a lot of the time average teams. And... This this team has to play this way, he, and and Gautier has worked out that he can't play pragmatic football, he can't play possession football, he just has to attack. Because if you've got a, a choice between Pepe, uh, Nicola Pepe, Jonathan Bamber, who's a very very quick, very skillful winger, Luis Araujo is a little sort of waspish little striker, Loic Remy, and and th- those sort of players that you 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 have no choice. So they're really exciting to watch, and and the best thing about that is that. Um, sometimes in in sort of mid-table, low mid-table teams, they're quite pragmatic in league and their fullbacks don't get forward too much. They can be sort of very conservative. The, the more talented players, the more young up-and-coming players in those teams take a little bit of time to kind of find their feet and to find their, their form because they, they might have to play in different ways they're not really used to having come up through the CFR uh, or the national ranks as it, it now is. But with Lille, players like, players like Pepe, who's 23, Bamba, who's 22, um, even even Thiago Mendes, Thiago Maia, those sorts of players, 
Um, Jonathan Lacone is still only 20. I like, I like Zeku, who's the holding midfielder, very competitive, 23. Those those players are, are given a, a platform to express themselves. And that's what's happening at Lille. This is a team that goes out, tries to score goals, tries to win games and expresses themselves. And it's great for the development of those young players and often the young French players. So um, that's great for the league and, and great for the club. And um, if they if they keep going like this, then they could they could challenge top four. And, you know, they've got no other commitments. They've got no Europa League, of course. They probably won't prioritise the Cups too much. Um, and if they focus on the league, they could they could be European contenders once again, which would be great. And and if they keep a lot of the players over the summer, they could start to build the momentum that, you know, Gerard Lopez hoped they would under Bielsa. So um, all credit to Gautier for switching up and playing attacking football. And um, uh, long may it continue. And and they face just a Marseille side who kind of used their get out of jail free card really in midweek to to grab the win against the Strasbourg. They play quite well, but down to ten men, they'll be delighted to get the three points and get that Leon monkey off their back very quickly. At least anyway, that defeat um, the other week sort of pulled them back into contention with them and they're still sitting above them but another test for for Marseille on a on a Sunday night and and one that they'll be excited about but at the same time they'll they'll want to be winning this game and trying to maintain the fact that they'll be fighting with Leon for that for that second Champions League spot yeah, it's, it's, it's still difficult to tell where Marseille are at. I mean, they're, they're in third place, so they can't be turning too badly. But it still often feels like they're they're kind of scraping through thanks to an individual piece of, of genius from from Payet or Todd now, rather than any kind of good team cohesion. Maybe I should add a Todd and dive after after the match in midweek. But they they there's so many talented players there they still haven't entirely gelled and so you do you do worry that away to another good team like like last weekend they may be found out last season more often than not as long as it wasn't the other members of the top three they, they weren't found out and they got through them very well um it may well happen again because they do have match winners um certainly in the in the front third of their team um but I don't know. I mean, Lille, okay, they, they lost, but it was thanks to, a, a, in great part, to a fantastic goalkeeping performance from Costil for, for, for Bordeaux. So, you know, although although they went down 1 0, I'd, I'd still say that, that Lille are in good form at the moment. Um, as Adam said, they've got this, you know, these, these strikers. I think in France they started naming them like BP, um, as in like Roadrunner, which in French they spell BIP, which is the initials of. Bamba, Ricone and, and Pepe, and you know they do look so exciting. And with Marseille's defensive worries, deficiencies—I don't know the right word—I mean, Rami and Ronaldo, um, Rolando, sorry, have been injured. I don't know if they're going to be back for for the weekend. Uh, Gustavo isn't a centre back. Amavi's been in very bad form this year, uh, this season so far. Even if Marseille's forward line um, manage to do what, what they do do more often than not and, and score a few goals, you do worry for, for that Marseille back line against the, um, the, Leon striker, uh, the Leon strikers if they're in their sort of recent rampant form. And absolutely. And I, I worry about Jordan and Marvi, really. He had a, an awful game 
at the weekend against Leon and didn't really impose himself at all in that game. And then he gets sent off in this one. It feels like uh, hopefully he's not on a bit of a downward spiral. Hopefully a, a couple of weeks on the on the bench of thing to think about what he's done in the last couple of games may sort of reinvigorate him again. Let's hope it's not um, spiralling out. But I do think Marseille will bounce back in this one. I think while Lille have been good this season, maybe their, their style of, of playing in such an attacking way... It, might not quite work as well against a, a low M side that can be so dangerous in attacking areas themselves. I think it'd be an entertaining one though. Three, two to the away side. Adam, what do you think the score will be in this one? Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go two each here as well. I think. Jess. Uh, I'll go three, two, but to nil. <laughs> let's see which one if this ends up as a nil-nil draw again we we'll, uh, <laughs> might as well give in I think really. but um, you should expect some goals on Sunday so do tune in to that um, that's all that we have for this week my thanks to Adam Jez and all of you listening at home uh, do join us for the regular show back on Monday but for now enjoy your weekend of football